Hola, Hallo, Bonjour, Hola, Ciao, Sveiki, Cech. All these are different ways of saying hello. And all of these languages are spoken at Arcus, a European University alliance that brings together eight universities spread across Europe. Granada, Graz, Leipzig, Lyon 1, Mignon, Padua, Vilnius and Wrocław. Together are Arcus. This is the Arcus podcast. This is Arcus Knowledge Fields, hosted by Gerhild Lejak and Pietro Osti. Welcome, everybody, to this new episode of the Arcus Podcast, Arcus Knowledge Peels. Like the tradition wants, me and Gary are still here for, let's say, our last episode together because we will have some exchanges here. So, hi, Gary, how are you? I'm well. It's a little bit sad to, to pass this project on to new voices soon, but on the other hand, that's life. And that's good that we're here for one last time together. Yeah, we are excited also because it's, again, an interesting topic because we're talking about philosophy today with Sebastian Hude. 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 Sorry, I'm terrible. That was quite good. No, that was quite good. (laughs) So thank you, Sebastian, for being here with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Can we ask you, why are you interested in philosophy in general and particularly in the field you chose to investigate deeper? Well, I think the distinctive character of philosophy uh, resides in this, that it seeks ultimate comprehension. And conversely, the idea of having understood something requires a form of um, perfection of understanding, which I think sets philosophy apart from other sciences. I think I just was very puzzled and... um, just thought I need to study philosophy in order to confront this puzzlement about understanding itself, about thought, about action, about human community, all these elementary features that define human life, I found confusing. And I thought thinking about it may be a way to get clear about them. Philosophy is like one of the oldest, maybe? topic humankind investigates. So how do you feel about this ancient characteristic of philosophy? Well, I think this is a quite remarkable fact about philosophy, that it is a continuous intellectual activity has been for two and a half thousand years. That's amazing. That's in itself stunning, that it kept itself going it points to something that is definitive of philosophy. I mean, we can ask, why is this so? I mean, why could this keep itself going? Uh, and what is what is its source that is alive and remained alive for so long a time? An answer that I find convincing to this is that the aim of philosophy is to live the human life with comprehension with comprehension of itself, not just to live, but to live in such a way as to comprehend one's life and to live through and with this comprehension. And um, this is a way of, as we're taking up human life, which is provided for from within human life itself. And human life has this potential in a way to be pursued through understanding, to be lived through understanding. And this desire, the desire to live in this way, 
with understanding is, it seems, unextinguishable. At the same time, it's an extremely difficult uh, project. It's an enormously difficult project. It's so hard. And therefore, it's so necessary to learn from the efforts of um, generations of people. So the tradition is one that's there and testifies to the inextinguishable desire to understand in human beings. And it is at the same time the essential form in which this desire is pursued. What I would be interested in is your opinion on this discussion that's always there. Why do we still need you? You know, you're in a sort of Ivy League uh, university tower. What's your purpose? And a lot of philosophers or other scientists in that area would reply, well, we contribute to our social coexistence very significantly. There are issues that we are addressing and solutions that we are contemplating about for some challenges of today. Could you name some examples? Um, no, um, <laughs> okay. because you know, there's a reason for this. It's not a matter of examples of, an, of what useful thing this or that uh, we do. The desire to understand is not a limited project. It's not something I do in the morning and then I do something else. And it's not something of which I could ask, is that a useful thing to do? Why? Because if I undertake to think about what is useful or not, I think. So I better get clear about what I do and I better get clear about what I mean by useful. I better get clear about what could be a possible measure of usefulness. Now, when I pursue this line of thought, what am I doing? I'm doing philosophy. Oops, already. So uh, the same, you know, social coexistence. What social coexistence is it? That is the human form of social coexistence. And one thing to say about it is, it's a form of coexistence which is pursued through understanding of itself. And for example, if our coexistence is mediated by law, as indeed it is in our world, then it is mediated by an understanding of law. Then further, in this understanding of law is contained an understanding of what a law is. And what it is to be governed by one, and what could be possible source of authority of such government, what could constitute the justice or the goodness of being so governed. An understanding of these things is the soul and the blood uh, of social coexistence. If we discontinue thinking about this, this will just mean that we uh, live in uncomprehension of ourselves and, and don't know what we're doing. And, and then all our problem solving will be disoriented. And then we can go on and be like very, very competent in solving all kinds of problems. Well, we won't know why such things are problems and why they're worth solving and what could be the form of community for the sake of which anything could be done. It's quite a mistake to search for some particular useful contribution or philosophy. I mean, you can stop thinking, you know, good luck with that. Maybe uh, another question that adds up uh, to what you mentioned before, that philosophy has been going on for a long, long time, and probably it will 
continue to, to go on. <laughs> we will see. Uh, but part of, of this continuing process, if it, if it happens, is that people still invest themselves in philosophy, that they study philosophy, that they go to universities to learn more yeah. about this. So yeah. what do you think does a student need to have in order to successfully study philosophy or enjoy studying philosophy? Well, I think the first thing is an unquenchable need to understand and an impatience with less than full clarity. One must have a certain incapacity to follow things one doesn't fully understand. And, and this will enable one to um, cope with something that can be very painful, namely frustration with one's own incapacity to understand. It's it's really not possible to study philosophy and think, oh, that's something that I can do great. This doesn't happen. One is almost always overwhelmed. I mean, one has perhaps moments where one thinks, oh, no, now I got this really. I've got this down. I can't say it clearly. I can't think it clearly. I know what I mean. Um, this happens too. And this is these are moments of joy, of enormous joy. This is something that's a that's a pleasure that's uncomparable to anything. I mean, if if you enjoy this, then also you will be enjoying philosophy. And in school, like in high school, there are very few uh, fields, really, subjects where students can experience this, the intellectual control over a difficult matter, like to be in control and to know what one is doing and to understand what one is doing. This, When you enjoy this, this is, this is good. And then you can deal with the frustration. And the frustration also is, is endemic. And what's also endemic, therefore, in philosophy is an unhealthy form of perfectionism, uh, precisely because you're uh, unsatisfied, you know, with things that are being said, and everybody says them along with you, and, and then it seems clear, but it's not. This is the source of a form of perfectionism, where you are liable to be discontent with anything you can produce. And this is also because, I mean, we have this, this philosophical tradition, and there are these texts which are just majestic. Like when you read Kant, the intellectual majesty of it is so powerful, so overwhelming. And if you now try to say something, you know this, this, <laughs> this will be ridiculous. I mean, this will be nothing. And then it may hamper you. So what you must do, you must find some way to retain your uh, unquenchable desire to understand and yet, somehow, somehow, find a way to live with the inadequacies of what you yourself can do and with the um, limits to what you yourself can understand. Uh, this is a difficult psychological uh, kind of balance, psychic balance, yeah, that you need to strike and which is hard, I, I find. I find very many people are very good philosophers, but suffer terribly from the perfectionism and the ensuing frustration. Yeah, so... Thank you, Sebastian, for these tips. I think there are a lot of people can recognize themselves in maybe not all the time like this, but in, yeah. in some situations. And we, we, we prepared like a final question for you, but you partially already answered because the question was how philosophic mm -hmm. is your everyday life? Yeah. But I think you, you said like a lot. So can you give us like a score out of 10? I mean, neither reading the newspaper or making breakfast. Are you already, you know, trying to perfectionate your way of seeing things starting in the morning and you, you can't really stop or it is something that it pauses sometimes 
Doing philosophy, I think, is a kind of self-deepening of thinking. It's there where thinking is there. And thinking is everywhere. That is to say, it is in eating, uh, it is in making breakfast. It has been said that the philosophic tradition of the West has, uh, as it were, given thinking a priority over eating. I think that's wrong because eating itself is thinking, as you can easily recognize when you think about what it is for a human being to eat. The form of deepening that philosophy is, is not one that yields solutions to practical problems. If I have a problem making my breakfast, it will not be solved by my doing philosophy. On the contrary, doing philosophy might sort of inhibit me because I may think about, now, how can this be, you know, that my aim to make breakfast gives me a sufficient reason to take out the eggs from the refrigerator? What is this kind of nexus of justification whereby I say I'm getting out the eggs because I'm making breakfast? What is this causality? What is this because? What are we talking about here? Right now, I'm 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 going to be hampered with the progress of my breakfast by being stuck there. It's something my my son said a few years ago. He said, "Well, so there's something really interesting, you know, wanting to do something and having to do something. You know, they're really interestingly related because sometimes I must do something because I want to do something, and sometimes I want to do something because I must do something. Now that is." Philosophy. I sent him any philosophical training, which is just a, a question that came up to him. Like, this is, but it's completely formal, it's completely elementary, it's fundamental, it's good, but no, no practical problem will be resolved by, by, by this reflection. But understanding of you know how our life, life proceeds through ideas of what we have to do and what we want to do and how this informs human activity. This this will be the result. So my life is all philosophy, but not in the way that you know, I'm okay. being along uh, in my everyday pursuits um, by it. And perhaps I'm sometimes really rather impeded. In, in okay, that. thank you, Sebastian. I think, Gary, we have to organize a breakfast with all the listeners and Sebastian too. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a good idea. And I always think it's very nice how children, you know, raise the most important or most interesting questions in yeah. the world. Yeah, no, they are philosophers. That's that's the thing. There's there's a lot of talk about philosophy with children, and I say what we need is philosophy of children. Yeah, because because sometimes the philosophy with children is really bad, um, but the of children is always great. And the difficulty, like also for teachers in school, is to see the philosophical depth of their thought. When that happens, then uh, it's great because they are deep. The children are deep just because they're unimpeded by any kind of false clarity. The question comes up in the, in its nakedness and in its purity somehow with them. So that's that's awesome. That's the reason also why I think philosophy will go on. You know, Seeing this, it can't be extinguished. It's always there. It pops up. Thought is there. Yeah, we, we had an episode on university kids with your colleague at the University <laughs> of Leipzig too. So you should, All right, meet excellent. you should meet and then you organize something together. Apart from this, thank you very much for, for your time, for your inputs, which were a lot and very, very interesting to think again about them. So thank you. Good. Well, thank you. It was a great pleasure. And yeah, thank you for having me. Have you taken your knowledge pillar for day? 
Be aware that possible side effects include broader perspectives, deeper insights, and an increase in your personal state of knowledge. This is Arcos Knowledge Pills. To learn more about the Alliance and its activities, please visit arcos-alliance.eu.